You're listening to Giro Vagando, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Giro d'Italia, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Today, we are in Milano. Milano, Bovisa Politecnico. Noi quest'anno abbiamo Ganna che ci ha gasato. Eh. Sì, sì. Anche Caruso. Anche Caruso. Quel numero che ha fatto ieri per me è stato una delle, delle tappe più belle. È sempre stato un grande regalo, un grande corridore. Sì. sì. È stato un bel giro secondo me. Quest'anno. Anche secondo me. Però anche la, la, la tappa lì di Montalcino è stata bellissima. Abbiamo un collega che si chiama Daniel Frive, secondo lui è stato un buon giro un po' debole. Well Brian, we've made it into Milan, uh, we're on our way to the Duomo for the, the time trial. First rider off in 10 minutes in fact, so we better eat our lunch and go. Um, we dropped off the hard car, always a poignant experience, strangely. You've lived in a car for three weeks, um, it's a bit of a mess, but I'm sure they expect that. And um, then we got a train into Milan, and on the train, the sound, the noise, the voice that you heard at the start of the episode there was uh, an old man across the aisle from us with his uh, grandchildren and his son. Um, and he was telling them all about the Giro, they were coming in to see the Giro. It was a very, it was a very touching scene, wasn't it? So I secretly recorded a bit of your conversation with him. And it was just, he, had a, he had a lovely sort of gravelly voice, um, even though I don't understand Italian. I can understand that he really enjoyed this Giro. He was a wonderful uh, old man, and he was um, he was very excited about bringing his gen- grandchildren to the, uh, the the Giro for the first time. They'd seen it on the road passing by, but now they were going into Milano to cheer for Filippo Ganna and, and see their first stage. And I don't know how old were those kids? Four, five years old? I'd say six, five and seven would be my guess. Okay, yeah, mine are too young for me to relate to that age group, but. They brought little bikes so they could ride around the course and, and see um, see the riders pass by. And it it was such a beautiful thing, you know, when when a, when a grandfather passes on his, he was clearly very passionate about the Giro and he had watched it throughout his entire life. And then bringing his kids into grandkids into Milano to, to see the race today, that was very touching. There was a sense of pride as well, you know, Bel Giro, he kept saying. And I don't understand the time, but I did understand you slagging off Daniel to him, which no, is a nice touch. <laughs> I, you know, when if next to me and and Daniel, I, I think this he was he was the senior opinion, and someone that had you know experienced personally uh, the Giro, the Giri d'Italia of his entire life. So I would I would give him the final say in whether this was a great Giro or not. And he said it was a Grand Bel Giro. He thought it was a wonderful race, and he was very excited about seeing it finish here in Milano, which uh, was very close to where where he lived in Busto Arsizio. Yeah, it was a very nice scene. Um, he was very impressed by Danny Martinez and Caruso, but I was surprised he mentioned Martinez's name first. And, and this is topical because our, our peddler de charme for the Giro, the poll is currently running and we'll announce the winner at the end of this episode. Um, currently, Martinez and Caruso are leading. Um, caused a bit of an international incident, though, I'm afraid, Brian, because we ran two polls last night, two semi-finals. In one of these polls was Joao Almeida, who actually won our Peddler de Charme last year. So he already has one of Stacey Snyder's wonderful mugs. Now, the poll was hijacked by Portuguese fans who are clearly very passionate about one of their own, but I felt it was distorted. Now, I maybe mistakenly referred to them on Twitter today as bots, and this has angered quite a few of our Portuguese friends. I think Ho- you owe them an apology. <laughs> Hopefully they, hopefully they are still friends. Um, but they didn't... They were the they, ones that said to uh, put the mug up where the sun doesn't shine. Yes, that wasn't very nice. Um, but they they were... I don't think a lot of them were, were listeners to the podcast and really understood what Pedal de Charm is all about. It's not about performance, it's about acts of charm. And I think, well, Martinez and Cruz are the favourites and they, they sort of epitomise that, I think. So one of them would be a worthy winner. My own, my own personal choice is Lucky Lorenzo Fortunato, who has been a breath of fresh air uh, this year. One on the Zon clan, of course, but it wasn't so much for that. It was just his general, uh, the air of charm around him. He's a very cheerful guy um, with, a, with a, a great smile. Uh, so he would have been my choice, but it's up to the listeners. Um, so I apologize for pulling Almeida out of the final, but I didn't feel 
that a lot of people voting for him really were understanding what the competition is supposed to be all about. And he already has a cup. He doesn't need another one, does he? They're demanding a recount, Richard. Well, There's threats of, of, of us being reported on Twitter and all sorts, so we might have a real problem on our hands, but let's see, shall we? Um, Brian, we were talking over breakfast this morning about the Giro again, and you know, before we get into the, the meat of today's stage, uh, Filippo Gano, the big favourite, of course, he and Eduardo Affini go off pretty close together. Um, Daniel's 18 picks for today, I think 12 of them were Gana, so he's a hot favourite today, although he's done a lot of work for Bernal this Giro. But we were talking about our hits and misses, and we thought we'd run through them uh, quickly before we get on to the time trial. Um, hits for me, the Montalcino stage, uh, the, the, the dirt roads. Um, there, were a lot, there was a lot of, of groaning and mumbling and complaining and carping about that stage from some of the, the riders and teams beforehand because it does throw up all kinds of risks and dangers. Um, but you can't argue with the spectacle and, and the racing that it produced on the day. I mean, it was phenomenal and really a very important stage for Bernal uh, to... Um, you know, to, to you know, he goes into this time trial with just 159. So every second did count, and we thought he might take minutes out of the others in the in the high mountains. But actually, that stage was very important, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was important. I think it's fantastic that they put the gravel roads into the Giro in the same way that they sometimes put cobblestones into the Tour de France. I prefer the gravel roads uh, to the pave. And it was a beautiful stage, and it sort of epitomizes everything that that the Giro is about. The, you know, the, challenging course the amazing landscapes and then it was actually a fantastic race it was one of the most dramatic stages I'll intersperse my hits and my misses so first miss for me unfortunately Remco Evenepoel uh, came in with a lot of expectation and hype around him we've talked about about it a lot we talked about it a few nights ago but it has to go down as a disappointment the first big setback of his career really and uh, you can't make it as a professional cyclist without overcoming setbacks we see Bernal here a resurgent Bernal who did have a, a huge setback last year. Um, he was really derailed last year. He's come back this year. Uh, and I hope Evenepoel can recover from this. Uh, and I'm sure he will, but he'll need a lot of support to do so. And it might, it might not be an instant thing. It might take him a while. Yeah, I agree. It's also my major miss. And I, I don't think actually Evenepoel is to be blamed. He's such a young rider. It's, it's the major decisions uh, are, are up to the team, and I think they their way of guiding him into throwing him to the Lions in this Giro, I think it's been a massive failure. Another hit for me, Brian, the stage winners. Just the variety of stage winners. I think Taco van der Horn set the tone uh, on stage three with his. Here, here comes my lunch. Grazie. Um, yeah, Taco van der Horn set the tone on stage three with his solo stage and holding off the bunch. Um, that was kind of off off the script. Quite unusual to see that these days in a Grand Tour. His own story was great. His post-race interview was fantastic, if not for a family audience. And the variety of stage winners, some of the, the people who have won stage, Victor Lafay, Joe Dombrowski as well, enjoyed that stage win. Um, that's been a refreshing part of this Giro. No, I agree. Can I pick the next? Uh, uh, I, are we just going to agree on everything? No, I, I, I wanted to mention initially in, in, in what has come across as one of the most amazing things in this year to me was Damiano Caruso. How he has completely changed the, the, what he's done for himself at this late point in his career. I think how he's talked about Sicily, how he's been a fantastic example of the hard worker who then goes on to realize that he can make the result he's, he's probably never even dreamed about. And then going on from riding defensively and, and trying to like minimize minimize his losses, to to being the game changer yesterday, to winning the stage. I think that's that for me will probably go down as one of the most impressive career moments for a, for an older rider. In the same way we saw with Alessandro Di Marchi, who unfortunately crashed out of the race. And I, I I've fallen in love with the character of Damiano Caruso, and I have a very weak spot for for Sicily and the South and. And it's not the easiest place in the world always to live, I think, and how he's shown his origins respect and how he's shown his trade respect, I think it's been a, a beautiful thing in this duo. I loved when you brought up Caruso to the, the old gentleman on the train. His uh, eyes lit up. His eyes lit up and he said, Gregario. I love the way he said Gregario as well. Have you got any misses for us, uh, Brian? I think to a certain degree, you know, we spoke about it this morning and I, then I mentioned Astana, but I don't think that's quite fair. Vlasov is still a young rider. Um, I think, and I'm not sure they would agree with me, but I was expecting more from Hugh Carthy when I looked at the race course and how this Giro would probably suit his qualities quite well. It, it, 
I'm sure he, he's not satisfied either. Uh, I think they saved a lot by, by taking a, a stage win and a, and a great one at it. But it's, you know, I, I would like to see Hugh Carthy being someone that would be very close to the podium when you look at his qualities and his style of racing and how well he deals with horrible weather. And then coming off of the result in the world, I, I, I was hoping for a little bit more. You mentioned Trek Segafredo as well yeah, as, a, as a team. Uh, it's actually the reason why they're a, a miss is because we've forgotten about them. You know, they, I mean, you can't really blame Nibali because he came into this race injured and it's very unfortunate also with Ciccone. But we also have to remember they're an Italian team with an Italian main sponsor that just re-signed a, a contract and it's very important for them. This is their market, you know, a huge domestic brand here in Italy. So that can't be very satisfying, and, and I'm, I'm sorry that I have to say it's a miss because when there's crashes and injuries, you, you, I, I feel sorry for a team and I feel sorry for any rider who, who crashes, obviously, but this has not been their Giro at all. Another hit for me, Bernal, the way that he's come back this year, not just at this Giro, but actually, uh, you know, Strada Bianchi was an amazing performance from him. Um, you know, I think there are, there are still chinks in, her, in his armour. I don't see him as being the, the, the full package at the moment in the same way that uh, Roglic and Pogacar are. And I'd, lo- I'd love to see him go head-to-head-to-head to head to head at the Tour next year. I, I disagree, Richard. If a ride at his age has won the Tour de France and has won the Giro d'Italia, I mean, putting him next to Roglic, he, he comes out on top. He's a most accomplished rider at a very early age. And he has so many years ahead of him to do, you know, to potentially win the World Side. He's won, the, in my opinion, the two most prestigious ones. Nothing against the World Side, but those two races, I think, carry a bit more weight in the history of cycling. So I, I and he's he's actually one up on on Pogacar already. He might win the Vuelta this year because he's going to go to the Vuelta and then he'll have won all three Grand Tours by the age of 24, which is ridiculous. So uh, actually, I hadn't finished it because I was describing him as a, as a hit, and, and it's more for the way in which he's conducted himself from taking off his rainproof jacket show off pink jersey which you know in the end might have cost him quite a lot uh, you know if Caruso got any closer yesterday I think you have an anecdote also with what from one of the staffers at Ineos yeah I mean some of our listeners will know Hannah Troop who um, presented Explore with Lionel uh, Bernie Explore returns next week a reminder um, Hannah's now working for Ineos Grenadiers as a press officer and I was speaking to her the other day and she said that after Bernal's stage win they're given a lot of a lot of stuff on the podium, a lot of presents and flowers and a, a helmet designed by Valentino Rossi's helmet designer and lots of things. And um, she had to go with him to doping control and press conference and so on. And they were making their way back to the one of the team vehicles. He, he was on his bike and Hannah was kind of struggling to carry all this stuff. And Bernal, uh, says Hannah, insisted on uh, taking some of it from her and carrying it himself and he, he wouldn't have her struggling which is a very nice um, uh, nice touch really I don't think she let him carry any of this stuff I, but I, having worked with different teams and, and some great champions in the sport I definitely see there's a difference and I think you're, you're a greater champion if you respect this, the hard working staff the mechanics the swanyers everything that goes into to building a, a great team, a great winning team. And, and that respect, I think, is so fundamental. And, and some of the greatest champions, they never fail to show that respect. And, and Bernal is certainly one of them. Yes, and I think there's a lot of goodwill towards him. Hannah also stood on Simon Yates's hand at the finish the other day accidentally, <laughs> less gloriously, and she'll kill me for saying that. Um, another miss for me, um, the, perhaps the biggest one of, of the Giro, Daniel losing two of my socks in the laundrette <laughs> and also my rechargeable batteries. Here's a guy who can hold about four or five languages in his head but cannot retain, cannot keep hold of a couple of rechargeable batteries and it happens every Grand Tour. Very disappointing. Still gassing on fueling, not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter, never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights, and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. The Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens. Thanks very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. We've been running a competition throughout the Giro to win three months worth of Super Sapiens product. That's for energy management for committed athletes. You've been sending in your audio clips or your video clips telling us how you'd use Super Sapiens to help you achieve your cycling goal. Let's hear from another entrant now. This will be the last one we hear from and we'll announce the winners in the coming week. Hi guys, 
Now, what do Daniel Freib and Pavel Sivakov have in common? Well, apart from the fact that neither of them actually finished the Giro, they are both in fact the inspiration for my cycling challenge for 2021. So my ambition is to clock up 10,000 miles on the bike between training and hopefully racing in 2021. Now I've done some Daniel Freib mathematics as featured in a previous podcast and I've worked out that that's roughly half the distance from the Earth to the Moon. I reckon it'll take me between five and 600 hours to do, although I could shave some time off that if I limit my training to downhill time trials only. Now I guarantee my pitch is a minimum of 60% accurate, which is the standard set by the cycling podcast. But with Super Sapiens on board, I hope to get my fueling at least closer to 100%. Oh well Gordon, that was absolutely fantastic. Really put a smile on our face. And uh, good luck to you and to everybody who's entered the competition with Super Sapiens. It's going to be really tough to pick three winners, but we'll have to do that over the next few days. Now Brian, we've made our way into the Piazza Duomo, which has become a traditional finish. We'll see pictures later on of the the podium um, set up uh, with the uh, the uh, Duomo as a backdrop and there'll be the, the beautiful Giro trophy and lots of pink ribbons and pink balloons, I'm sure. Um, but at the moment, a bit of drama because uh, obviously Filippo Ganna, one of the early starters, and started very close to Eduardo Fini, who finished second to him in the opening time trial in Turin. Uh, Ganna was really storming towards setting the best time when he punctured. Uh, and had to have a bike change in the well the last couple of kilometres. Um, he's still the fastest, but there must be a question about whether he can hang on, particularly maybe Remy Cavagna a threat. Yeah, Cavagna is out on the course now, and it's going to be pretty close. I think once we see the the first time checks, I think it's Cavagna is close on the first one. I, I'm not too sure that um, Ganna is going to stay in the hot seat until this afternoon. I think also it's the sort of thing that makes a team nervous, you know, and and. Okay, Bernal's got almost two minutes to play with, but the the race isn't over yet, is it? And disaster can happen. And I'm not saying it's a bad omen, but it's a reminder that things can still go wrong when when they look. uh, It looks like it's 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 all but kind of done and dusted. Well, I've never been at a Grand Tour where maybe if not on the on the Monday in the last week, but in the days before the last stage, every single sports director have always told. Riders, they, they, they don't need to know it uh, because they know already. But staff especially, don't let your guard down. Stay focused. Make sure everything is, you know, all the material and everything that needs to really be as, as finely tuned and, and well drilled. Uh, in the beginning, it certainly also needs to be at the end because now it really matters. You know, having having a puncture on the last day like Ghana, is, it could be devastating for, for some, you know, could actually lose a place in the GC and, and, and all of that. Um, I've spoken to a couple of riders here at the finish. Um, Dres de Bont uh, from Alps and Fenix spoke to him. He, there he is over there. I spoke to him uh, yesterday. Uh, he had to rush off because he realised the riders were lining up. Then, of course, he was in the breakaway. So we, we kind of finished our conversation here because I've been very impressed by him and by his team. They've ridden a fantastic Giro. He's ridden a brilliant Giro. His first Grand Tour at the age of 29. Um, so I spoke to him to f- finish that conversation. I, what the writer I was hoping to speak to today, Salvatore Puccio, who is the road captain at Team Ineos Grenadiers. If Bernal holds on, this will be his third Giro victory as part of the winning team. Chris Froome in 2018, um, Tailgate Hart last year, and now Bernal. Um, now, the thing about Puccio is he's one of these very unassuming riders. We don't hear very much from him at all. And in fact, we're not going to hear very much from him in this interview because uh, he's not somebody who um, perhaps enjoys giving interviews all that much. But... He's an incredibly solid and strong rider. And remember after the 2018 Giro, um, Froome was so impressed by him that he wanted him by his side in any in any Grand Tour he did. That wasn't always the case. He's very unassuming. He's a bit like a bass player in a rock band. You know, you, the minute you take him out, you notice that he's not there. And it's, for me, very obvious how the Giro always brings the best out in, in Salvatore de Puccio. And then there's no possible way to stay in, in a team at that level if you're actually not one of the best riders in the world. And I just think he just goes about in an extremely professional way. Yeah, who would he be? Which bass player would he be? Good question. I don't remember what the name of the bass player in the Arctic Monkeys looks like and what his name is, but he's, he's definitely one of those guys. He might He's definitely not the leading man. He might not be the coolest cat in the neighbourhood, but the minute he's not there, everyone's going to look around his shoulder and say, what just happened? Any any Grenadiers really comparable to Arctic Monkeys, Brian? I think we can probably do better than that. We'll get back to you on that. Um, but, we, I mean, we, we've spoken in this Giro about riders who 
through circumstances have suddenly found they've had an opportunity. Damiano Caruso being the most obvious example. You know, last year when it didn't look, when Ineos had lost Geraint Thomas and it looked like uh, they didn't really have a, a strong leader to win on, on GC before Theo Gegenhart's late kind of uh, late late charge. Um, Puccio had a go one day and he was second on the stage. He's finished second on the stage of Vuelta, second on the stage of the Giro, second on a stage of Tirreno Adriatico. Um, so he's, when he gets the chance, he's very, very strong, but he, he doesn't seem to seek those opportunities too much and he's not given them too much. So anyway, let's hear first from Puccio and then from the rather more... Um, expansive uh, Dries de Bont of Alps and Phoenix. Uh, your third Giro win if Bernal manages to do it today. Has this been the, the hardest of the three just because you've had longer to defend the, the jersey? Yeah, uh, for sure it was one of the hardest Giro because Egan took the jersey after semi stage so we had to defend almost two weeks. Uh, the other two Giro we just won last few days so I had already one one welter with Frumi, where we defend the jersey also more than two weeks. So it's hard, but at the end, if they will make it, it will be really nice. We saw you have your own chance last year in, in the Giro on a stage, but do you prefer being in this role of road captain and somebody helping a, a leader? Yeah, I think I did already for my career, so it's nice, you know, especially when you have a captain like Egan. Will you be able to celebrate tonight if Egan holds on? Yeah, if he keeps the jersey, for sure. Almost caused you to miss the start yesterday. We were talking when you noticed they were lining up. So just yeah, to finish, finish actually, that conversation. We were, we were still pretty on time, but I just saw all the riders leaving for the start and I thought, oh, f <laughs> <laughs> And it's better to be two minutes too soon on the start than two minutes too late, of course. Well, I mean, predictably enough, we saw you on the attack again and breakaway again. Yeah, yeah, but it was not for myself this time. Uh, it was with a plan. Uh, the plan of the day was to launch Louis. For, uh, to be in the breakaway and, and maybe if the teams would have given him some freedom he would have could have, he could have battled for a stage win against Grosshartner I think but uh, I think there were too many teams left with empty hands and that caused uh, lots of teams in the chase uh, you don't know that in front maybe they just feel like those classification guys and they say oh you don't need to chase and then we get some freedom and in that case it would have been a nice uh, Nice opportunity for Luigi to fight for a stage win. So uh, I was already happy I, I could force, really, because we really forced the breakaway yesterday. I gave it my all and uh, on the foot of the first climb I had to <laughs> drop immediately because I went through all of my strengths. But uh, the, yeah, the thing that I did in the beginning of the stage was the cause that Louis was there. So it worked out and, uh, and I was pretty satisfied with it because if you have a plan like that in front then it works out and it's always nice. Uh, Plus, yeah, in the first sprint, I, I took second place, which made me kind of sure I won as the sprint classification and also the, the competitivity. So uh, I can look back to a very, very good uh, Giro. Well, you said there are lots of teams going home empty-handed. Your, your team is not one of those. Um, you know, when people talk about your team, often they, they talk about Matthew van der Poel um, as if there's nobody else in the team. Is that something that you feel? And uh, you must feel after this Giro that... You've, uh, you know, you've outperformed quite a few of the World Tour teams here. Yeah, but I think, yeah, of course, uh, but it's like every team is, is like that little bit of when you got a star in it. Uh, with Borra at Sagan, uh, and then with Quick Seppet, Philippe and Evenepoel, and uh, everybody always talks about the big stars in the team, so that's normal. But I feel that it's changing uh, the, last, the last months. Like, we're not only talking about Mathieu van der Poel, but also about uh, Jasper Philips, and also about Gianni Vermeers. Also about Tim uh, Merlier, and I think we also grew as a group, and uh, I think we showed that, especially in this Giro. The thing that, that, that I will keep in mind most will be the victory of Tim on the first road stage, because that was the one and only road race in my life. I felt every single one of the members of the team contributing to that sprint of Tim Merlier, and every single one had their part in this victory, and it felt like such a relief when he came on the line as the first one. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be something I remember for the rest of my life. You'll be wanting to ride another Grand Tour, maybe another one this year. Ah, I don't know, no, no. I think uh, if you're a, debut, a debuter in a Grand Tour, it's smarter to do one in a, in a year instead of two, because uh, maybe uh, in Piccolo Motore as Caputo after. <laughs>
be like, but I guess probably for you will be defending your Belgian title, will it? In the in the well, in the next few weeks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The first thing now coming up for me will be Tour of Belgium uh, to keep me going a little bit and keep the shape in uh, in order. And then indeed I'll uh, try to defend my title in the nationals. And I think we are one of the favorite teams there to yeah to take the title home because we've got Johnny, we've got me, we've got Tim Merlin, we've got Jasper Philipsen. Actually, we can choose different cards to play and uh, I think that's one of the strengths of our team uh, in the coming weeks. The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Giro d'Italia is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thanks very much indeed to Science and Sport, our sponsor since 2016. We're finishing our fifth Giro with them, is that right? Um, if you would like 25% off all your Science and Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and at the checkout enter the code SISCP25. SISCP25, a lot of excitement over there. Who's that for, Brian? Not quite sure. No, also because I'm seeing a lot of riders lining up and, and finishing the race here and then there's also all sorts of family all sorts of girlfriends lovers and mistresses what do i know there's there's a lot of people here to welcome the riders to milano that's for sure now brian remember daniel freib yeah i, I vaguely remember uh, our good friend jan daniele <laughs> daniel daniele did you um did you give daniel a pat on the back like caruso gave to Peo bilbao yesterday when you took over from daniel I try to do that very often uh, every time I see him, but as we all know, Daniel is uh, is not the most tactile person in the peloton, so I, I try to stay clear. But I just I just want him to know, maybe with a pat in the back or a little sort of like squeezing his 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 boy his, his boyish arms to. He doesn't like an arm squeeze either. No, I know, I know. So the answer, I guess, is no. He never recovered from a particularly. Uh, kind of uh, affect, affectionate handshake, one of these kind of very fancy, uh, you know, handshakes that Bob Stapleton gave him once at the Tour de France. He never really, never really got over that. Um, anyway, that must be a while ago. <laughs> was, it was Forgot- about a decade ago. Forgotten yeah. about Bob. <laughs> yeah. Well, Daniel hasn't. Um, well, listen, we're going to hear from Daniel now because before he left, he had a chat with uh, two friends of his, uh, Filippo Caos and Leonardo Piccioni, uh, who are the guys who run the Bidon podcast, which is kind of the official Giro podcast. Daniel's a, a big fan uh, of their of their daily podcast at the Giro, um, and they've they've also done a book um, called Via di Fuga, all about the the breakaway, really um, digging into breakaways and what they what they bring to professional cycling. So one day, I, I think it was a Canetze in the Dolomites, Canetze, Canetze. Canazé in the Dolomites. They uh, had a, a conversation about that. You didn't that. say it right yet. One more goal, Richard. We are Can- Milano. You can do it. Milano. <laughs> Canazé. There you are. Canazé. Okay. Yeah. It'd be, if it was double Z, it would be it'd be a z sound, wouldn't it? See, I know that because from pizza. Anyway, um, they had a doing. conversation about breakaways, and uh, let's hear it now. Let's talk about why you decided to do a book with this subject matter. Like uh, because the Fuga, the breakaways, are the most uh, entertaining and uh, romantic part of cycling. Don't you find it? You think that they ruined the cycling, so probably they don't you find <laughs> okay. it. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. Leonardo? Yes, I think so. I think, you know, when you... We started... Uh, I fell in love with cycling watching TV in the summer, Tour de France, basically. And you spend a lot of time watching these guys in the breakaways, more than you see, actually, the, 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 the GC riders attacking on mountains. You see these guys, hours and hours, and you kind of uh, feel you, you know them better because you see their faces, you see the way they are trying something. And so I think they are one of the reasons I fell in love with cycling in the first place. So that's why we decided to write a book about this and i think you guys in particular and i think you write about this in the book filippo you identify with the well the, the almost revolutionary spirit of le fuga um it was interesting earlier in the giro on your podcast someone talked about a fuga being a, an act of anarchy and you disagreed with that um, because you said that that was, well, to misunderstand what anarchy means, but you would agree that, um, with that fundamental principle, that it is an act of rebellion to go into a fuga, into a, a break. 
No, I I agree when someone says that the fuga is something anarchic. I I don't like when they talk about anarchic race because uh, they, they they talk about it like uh, just when it's some chaos and uh, anarchism is not destroying the rules and just chaos it's cooperation it's uh, an objective it's uh, a way to destroy the power a way to fight the power the breakaways are somehow this way N- not always because in actual cycling we see a lot of breakaways that are accorded by the power of the group in the past it was not so common but it, it has always been and uh, but not all not all the breakaways are uh, this nature there are also a lot of breakaways that are pure acts of rebellion and those are my favorite breakaways and those are my favorite breakaways riders because most of those breakaways are moved by the same small medium small group of riders We'll talk in a minute about the, who are the ultimate breakaway artists, the sort of Che Guevara's of the um, of cycling and the breakaway. But um, um, you guys are, are great at getting into the sort of language and etymology of, of various concepts in cycling, and you do that in the book about breakaways. In in Italian, there isn't really the equivalent of the barudeur in French. But um, earlier in the year, you spoke to a rider from Bardiani, um, Zoccorato whose nickname is Il Fugitivo, the, the fugitive, which dates back to you know, his junior days when he was always in the break. But um, I was intrigued by, this, by the explanation you give, Filippo, for that French word, baroudeur, um, which I didn't know before. Can you just explain that? Well, yes, it, uh, in, when the France, uh, in the French colony era, when France uh, went to occupy all the northern Africa countries, Uh, there was this uh, gunpowder that was called baroud. So the baroudeur was the... I mean, baroud is, a, is an Arab name, of course. And the baroudeur was the fighter who went first. And because the name of the, of the gunpowder was baroud, they were called baroudeur. And it, it has not been used in cycling since the 60s or 70s. When the, the nature of the breakaway changed, because the, the bunch, the peloton, uh, was more and more structured. So there was more uh, captain and gregarios uh, and uh, riders who just had to pull in the front and nothing else. So when, when this kind of fight, the fight for the breakaway changed, in France they started using this word. And I think in the book you propose a couple of, well, if there was an Italian equivalent, um, sort of playing on this idea of well, dynamite or gunpowder. I think you suggest um, one or two, don't you? Well, I, I think that the, this uh, military language uh, is uh, quite adapt to this fight. I, I, I like to, to call them like the, the dynamite guys, the riders who, who break the... The, the quiet zone of the bunch. And guys, in this Giro, one of your, well, you're sort of Baruda d'adozione, your adopted <laughs> sort of breakaway specialist, uh, Alessandro De Marchi, obviously had a, well, he had a fantastic couple of days on this Giro, but then crashed out, um, which has been a highlight for you guys, I know. But Leonardo, you and I were just talking about how There's been a problem with the breakaways from my point of view at this Giro and um, I like it when the, 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 the competitive sort of narrative of a Grand Tour is sort of interlaced and it's contiguous in a way. The, the GC battle leaves its fingerprints on the breakaway battle and vice versa and I have not seen that in a lot of stages at this uh, Giro. It's almost been like reading two completely separate books that don't relate to each other. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I do and I I'm not completely enjoying all these breakaways in this Giro um, because, yes, uh, the peloton just leave them go easily. And actually, we talked to Thomas Degan some days ago. He told us now the real fight is to be, to, to go into the breakaway because after you are in it, it's almost sure mm. you are going to the finish line. Mm. But, of course, uh, it's difficult uh, to to say these breakaways in this Giro are romantic. And, and for that idea of the revolution and rebellion to hold, really, there has to be some resistance from the, the governing power, which is the peloton, and 
very often in this jiro, there has been no resistance. It's been a, a soft sort of transition of power or a soft handover of power to the breakaway. Yeah, that's it. I mean, somehow these breakaways are a way of conservative power of the peloton. As the Gans said, there, there was this fight. that They were really fighting to get in the breakaway. And as the Gant concluded his talk with us, he said, a win is a win. In a couple of years, nobody will remember if that breakaway was allowed by the group or, or was fighted. But I think there's also a, a real tactical reason in this Giro, and it's his, its course, because there's very few chances for uh, sprinters. And, and also, at the Tour, there are the classic riders, the punchers. At the Giro, ne- they never come because it's too near to the classics. And, and that's so strange because, and I've noticed this for a, a few years now, there was a generation of particularly Italian riders that what, what you guys call the Scatisti, uh, the likes of Di Luca, Rebellin, who were perfect. You know, you guys know the geography of Italy better than everyone. There are a lot of finishes here on top of, there are a lot of towns on the top of um, small hills, you know, two kilometer, three kilometer climbs and you used to have a lot of stages that were perfect for guys like Bettini Di Luca and so on and those riders well Italy's not really producing them and I just said to Leonardo if we take a stage like uh, Gorizia the other day and you made this point Filippo that if, if an Philippe was there then Quickstep would would work to keep the race together and then as he attacked presumably on the last climb um, in in the attempt to get a stage victory that would also draw the GC battle out and that's just not happened at all but there is still something good that we can find in what's happening in this Giro. If you consider Gorizia, for example, Victor Kampenert's winning, the power of the breakaways and the, the biggest reason why we love them is you can relate it easily to the guys in the breakaway because they usually they are not champions and going into the breakaway is the only way they have to win. And if you consider Kampenert, it was the first win for him on a um, Grand Tour and it is changing. So you can tell the story of a, of a rider and of a man who is trying to find another shape for himself. Yeah, there's, some, there's this explanation that all the breakaways riders gave me. And they said, uh, I'm fast, but not one of the fastest. I climb well, but I'm not one of the climbers. So the breakaway bubble is a world when, when, when there are not the champions they are good riders, but not the champions. And their dimension is in breakaway. They, they can win only in breakaway. And uh, I think I, I like when, when in sport, there's not just the champion who wins. And I mean, breakaway. You, can, you can relate to them. You can feel close to them. That's why also it worked with uh, Alessandro De Marchi. Because he is, he is one of us. The way he, he speaks, the way he rides, it's the same person. You can, you can see it's it's him and it's close to you because it's normal in some way of course he's a he's a champion in in his world but he's he's one of us yeah it's a vote for the underdog it's like you know buying your bread from your corner shop um from your artisan boulanger rather than i don't know going to eselunga <laughs> a big supermarket chain <laughs> yeah that's a perfect explanation of <laughs> little update on the race um, Cavagna went close but not quite close enough we thought he was on to beat Ghana but um, he had a crash and it kind of sums up the Koenig Quicksteps Giro in a way doesn't it because it was a really tight hairpin bend almost you were almost going back on yourself he went into it far too fast and went uh, uh, colliding in, into the into the railing yeah I was surprised Barrier. To, yeah I was surprised to see that because that you obviously know where the turns are, especially in the last 500 meters. And it, yeah, it also just goes to show just one tiny lapse of concentration and, and, and things can end horribly wrong. And yeah, we just have to hope, hopefully this won't be an omen for, or at least Banal won't be hoping that it's an omen for for a day where I think, we also saw, I think it was an Astana rider that almost crashed into another Matthew team. Sobrero, I think it was. Yeah, crashing into the, uh, the FDJ team car. It's just, it was all a bit surprising when you see like the first, some of the fastest riders today all had to deal with some kind of fall, fallback. So the riders first and second both ended up stopped uh, in the middle of the course, but it looked to me like maybe Ghana lost a little bit more time than um, Cavagna with his crash. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you couldn't. There's no. There's no 
even and you know, uneven distribution of justice, you know, accidents do happen. But it would be heartbreaking if Ganna, in my opinion at least, would have lost it because of a puncture if he was the fastest rider. So yeah, he, I, I think he definitely lost a lot, a lot more time, and, and it was a fairly quick bike change. But you also lose your rhythm. Uh, Cavagna was just 500 meters from the finish line, and and he'll he'll ride it home just on adrenaline, so he wouldn't have to regain his rhythm. He just has to cross the finish line. Well, Brian, as we wait here for the arrival of Caruso and Bernal and the others, um, I spoke to Caruso's teammate Jan Tratnik uh, a bit earlier on after he finished his ride about the rider who's become his team leader here and looks set to finish second overall at the Giro. Your teammate, Damiano Caruso, one of the, the stories of the Giro. Tell us tell us a, a bit about him. Uh, Damiano, I don't know how, how to tell, but uh, he's really 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 good uh, guy like a person and he appre appreciate every small things and this is why i think he's so big champion you know every time he need to work for the others but he uh, for him was not a problem but i think that the guy like him he deserved it, that result uh, what he he get it here so i'm really really happy about him and yeah, now I think he's also proud and um, we are all as a team really proud and happy. Yeah. There was a great image yesterday, a lot of people saw of him patting Kyle Bilbao on the back. Is that, does that kind of sum him up as a teammate? Uh, no, it was yesterday actually, we didn't plan this, but he was, he was so motivated that uh, this happened in one minute that they decide this. I even didn't know because I went back to the car for the rain jackets and suddenly I saw them on the front already. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he was just so motivated and he knew. So he so believed in himself and he wanted to take the last chance and he showed amazing ride. And chapeau also to Pelio because, yeah, this is amazing teamwork and... Um, yeah, it, it was perfect example um, to show the world of cycling how we do it. That was Jan Tratnik. There's uh, Alexander Vlasov just uh, coming through. Uh, I also spoke to two Italian legends, Brian. Alberto Bettiol and Ciro Scognomilio. Let's hear first from Bettiol, stage winner, of course. Somebody's ridden excellently throughout this year, including in this time trial. And then from Ciro. It's not a strong time trial from you there, but you've been in terrific form this Giro? I mean, has it, has it even surprised you just how well you've been going? No, it didn't surprise me because uh, I worked so hard to, to get to this level and I think uh, I'm pretty sure I, I, can, uh, I can do better because in respect, uh, compared to the other guys in the peloton, I'm, I'm uh, fresher because I start to train uh, with the 1st of January because of my little problem. Uh, in, uh, during the winter, so I think this my season. Uh, it's still uh, it's just a start, and uh, of course uh, with this Giro d'Italia makes me confident for the next uh, appointment. What's uh, what's been your highlight? I guess your stage win, but you've ridden well in all terrain. We've seen you, in, you know, in support of you and the climbs again a, a strong time trial today. But was the stage win the highlight for you? Yeah. Uh, I wanna, I wanna show first to myself that I'm a complete rider. I'm a rider that can compete in time trial uh, uh, in the mountain. I can, I can be good and help uh, my, my leader and, uh, and also uh, on a breakaway. So again, I, I don't consider myself in the top shape. I just consider myself uh, in, the, in the right way to get uh, to the best form. Giro, we've been talking today about the, the, the highs and the lows of the Giro. One 
disappointment of this, Giro, for the cycling podcast has been how little you've been on it because you've been a very busy man here. Yes, but is this reason for which you don't call me Richard off there are, or there are other reasons? Oh, no, well, uh, I mean, we tend to want to bump into you and, and, and speak to you in person, Giro, okay. call you. It's not something against me. It's nothing you've done, Giro. <laughs> okay, this is important, dear listeners. Also because this Giro is ending and I consider myself is in the form of my life. Never maybe I finished the Giro in so well shape. Really? Yes. I what, don't know why. What do you put maybe that because, down to? I don't know. Maybe because maybe I lost my point, point of usual reference, the shark, but I found it others. As for example, our Italian giant Filippo Ganna or our friend Alberto Betiol or Damiano Caruso. Well, those have been the three big Italian stories, haven't they? Great, three great stories. From the time trial, you mean? Well, or for uh, the, the whole, the whole Giro, Caruso, ah. Ghana and Betiol. Yes, uh, definitely these, uh, these are uh, for our Italian guys. Well, there are also others, for example, some stages as Vendrame or Nizzolo, but these three guys are the best. Uh, my preference, dear listeners, sadly for uh, Filippo Ganna, sadly for Alberto Betiol, but my preference goes for Damiano Caruso. Obviously, why is from Sicily? And he has an apartment near the marvelous beach in Sicily. So, say no more. Well, Chiro, it's been great seeing you when we have seen you. But I hope next Chiro will get you more on the podcast. And uh, for sure, maybe in the first part of the tour. Why not? The tour, of course. The first part, and then remember, dear listeners, when it will be possible. We have to organize again some live show. Some live shows. Chiro, are these your fans? I can hear the chanting, the air horns going A, a lot of people think that these fans are for Bernard, but as a matter of fact, they're for me. <laughs> now, Brian, before we get to the, the denouement of today's stage and the Giro itself, a um, couple of things. I should mention uh, that we mentioned Daniel Freeb earlier on. We heard him in conversation with the guys from Bidon as well. Um, you know, a lot of people have been very impressed this year in particular by Daniel's knowledge of Italy and um, his, his, his fluency in Italian and his, his knowledge of the geography and the culture in Italy. If anybody's interested in, in Daniel, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, we released an episode last year about Daniel's life in journalism. It was uh, me in conversation with him and well, I found his story really interesting and I know lots of people who listened to it uh, did too. It's available to friends of the podcast and uh, if you sign up as a friend of the podcast at thecyclingpodcast.com, you'll be able to give it a listen. Now, there's a rider at this race who is, uh, well, this is his final day as a professional cyclist. Do you know who it is? Paul Martins. Well done. The Jumbo Visma German veteran. Uh, he was going to retire at the end of last year, but decided to carry on a bit longer because of COVID. And it was decided, well, he really wanted to ride, ride the Amstel Gold Race again. Um, but he decided to end with the Giro. So he's ridden his final Giro, his final Grand Tour, and his final race as a professional rider. And here are his thoughts on uh, stopping here in Milan. For now it feels a bit weird, of course. But I think it's a perfect moment. Uh, I think it's the, the first race after a long time with public. You feel all the energy again. So I'm happy that I could be part of it. But I'm also feeling like now is the moment to still have a good uh, level, but being satisfied that it's over. Um, you were going to retire, weren't you, last year, but changed your mind to basically have have a bit more sort of, I guess, normal racing again. Is that has that felt like the right decision this year? Yeah, afterwards, of course. When you see now eh, what I said, uh, going up the climbs and seeing all the the public again. But I also I had the opportunity to make uh, the 15th time the Amstel Gold Race, what it's like a home race to me. Last year with the Corona, when they said uh, yeah, there could could be uh, you couldn't be the, have the uh, the Adam Classics as normal, then uh, I asked my team if it's possible to get a, a new contract, and uh, like this was uh, some sort of uh, compromise. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you after this, Paul? You'll wake up Monday morning in Milan feeling pretty tired, I guess, after a Grand Tour. What does the future hold? Um, actually, I'm, I'm really like a planner, but I, I force myself not to do now for the next couple of months. First, I think it's uh, the priority is the family, and then we make plans together. 
And looking back on your career, what's here? What's been your highlight? Oh, I can't say. I mean, it's my 16th year as a pro. Um, but what what uh, what's quite fresh in my mind? It's uh, development of the team, and also of riders like Primoz Roglic and uh, Dylan Grunewege. And I was always really close to them. And uh, that feels like also I, I was a little bit a part of their development, and that uh, feels really good. Would you like to stay involved with the team? Um, yeah, but maybe not that intense what's, uh, what's required in nowadays cycling, you know? You can't do it half. And yeah, but I also, I don't want to be away for 200 days. So you can't say never, but for now it, it doesn't look like this. Final question, what do you think you'll miss the most about being a professional cyclist? Oh, seeing areas like this, I mean, uh, I've seen the last three weeks a lot of places I would have like um, showed to my family and maybe it's possible for later. But as a cyclist, you're, you can see so many nice places. Uh, also now in the Corona, you could see that we had so many freedoms compared to other people. And um, yeah, that probably the, the traveling I will miss most. Some Danny Martinez fans there responding to the news that he has won our Peddler de Charme pole at the Giro d'Italia. A narrow victory over Damiano Caruso, but a, clearly a popular one. Bernal crosses the line and celebrates like he's won a bunch sprint. Yeah, Arms the, in the air. Then the crowd goes absolutely crazy. We have a massive line of Colombian people right behind us. And on the finish line, Filippo Ganda, Dave Brailsford, and I think this now must be his fiance. I think that's the first time I've seen that Dave Brailsford this Giro. Yeah, while looking at him, he looks like he's been riding his bike just as much as the riders. Danny Savio, you stayed around to watch your former protege, uh, Egan Bernal, win the Giro. You must be uh, very happy for him, you know him very well. Yes, uh, I am very, very happy because uh, I put on the professionalism uh, Egan Bernal when uh, he was uh, 19 years old and, uh, and uh, he, he saw that uh, he had uh, a, a, a big uh, talent and also he had uh, a right mentality so he won uh, two day two years ago the tour de france for me was a satisfaction uh, wonderful and the same today have you spoken to him much during the Giro? have you talked to with him much yes uh, i talked with him uh, and uh, mm, I was always, always, uh, I thought that uh, he would have the possibility to win this year. And finally, Gianni, um, how do you rate your own team's performance? Are you happy with, uh, we've seen a lot of your riders in breakaways, are you happy with your team's performance at this Giro? Uh, yes, because uh, uh, we, now, we await the podium for uh, kilometers uh, in breakaway, and so the balance of our Giro is good. Brian, that's the Giro 2021 done and dusted. Egan Bernal is the winner. Filippo Ganna is the winner of the time trial. There were a few kind of... Uh, Damiano Caruso is the winner of our hearts. <laughs> there, were some, there were some wobbles in the road today for, uh, for Ghana, certainly, but um, pretty much as we, as we expected. Um, and as we expected, just a sea of Colombian fans, as there always are. Um, and... They're out in, in real force today, and uh, obviously 
You heard them earlier uh, cheering Martinez's his name, but obviously very happy that Bernal has uh, has brought it home. Yeah, stunning scenes and just that joy. I mean, shortly, Richard. Unfortunately, the the post Grand Tour blues will settle in our hearts, and we'll be missing being in Italy. We'll be missing all these scenes of joy. But now it's relishing the moment. Bernal writing history and and seeing all these things come together, and and him, you know, finish crossing the finish line into the the arms of his fiance. It's just it's a real book ending, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, and we heard from Gianni Savio there as well. His uh, his old boss at Androni Giacatelli. Um, Still, still going strong, Gianni. And he said he was quite happy with uh, with his team's performance here. They're going to be on the podium as well. Uh, we've got a competition winner, our science and sport competition to win an eighty-pound bundle. Lionel has picked out a name at random. Lots of you went for Filippo Ganna, strangely enough. And the winner is Nick Howe. Nick Howe, well done, Nick. Um, I think Science and Sport will be in touch with you directly to arrange uh, to send you that stuff. Um, we've got. One more thing that we need to do, of course, and that's to hear the final instalment from our diarist, James Knox, of the Koenig Quick Step. Giro's done. Um, three weeks. Three weeks of hard racing. Uh, three weeks of that victory, which is always a shame. Um, yeah, maybe not the Giro we were hoping for, but six of us made it to Milan. Um, I had a few beers. Um, enjoying myself now. Um but yeah, again, I guess today, Joao was close to the top five. Remy was close to the win and then crashed 500 metres to go. But we had a good time and that's all that matters. Um, thank you everyone for all your support. Nice messages, messages of me whinging. Really appreciate it. Just a natural born whinger. Um, and thank you, Whitley, all the fans, everyone. Had a good time, got cheered on the road. Um, and thank you for the Italian weather. That was uh, the biggest treat of the three weeks, I reckon. I'm going to take a bit of holiday now, a bit of time off, and then we'll see what happens. But anyway, yeah, I'm trying to reflect on anything else notable. Um, but no, just enjoyed the day anyway. Um, didn't do a warm-up, didn't do anything, just jumped in my skin suit, got on the bike, and tried to do a decent time trial. Tried to make sure Seri didn't, uh, jump over me in the GC, which he didn't. So there you go. What a big success that was. Um, and yeah, third Grand Tour finished. Thank you, everyone. Well, Brian, that's about it from the, the Giro. We've got the podium in front of us here uh, and the magnificent Duomo uh, to its off to the side. And we'll see all the pictures of Bernal with the, the beautiful trophy and the celebrations that are about to ensue. Um, but thanks very much for joining us at this Giro. It's been a real treat. I mean, we had you on the first podcast in Turin and then you you flew in, you came to save the day once Francois Tomaso unfortunately had to pull out. So it's been, uh, well, I've enjoyed your company and your contributions to the podcast. Thank you very much, Richard. And thank you for the for all the kind support. I'm just a mere amateur in, in this, but uh, I've had a wonderful time. Maybe you'll be back. Who knows? Some more thank yous. Um, mentioned earlier Danny Martinez is our Giro Peddler de Charme as voted by you still getting a lot of uh, abuse from uh, some fans not happy that uh, Joao Almeida was excluded from the final list that's not really in the spirit of Peddler de Charme guys um, anyway um, some more thank you Stacy Snyder makes these wonderful mugs gelato bowls cappuccino sets she had two batches of this Giro they sold out in record time so thanks very much to her and thanks to you um, for buying them and Raising money, all the proceeds go to two good causes, the Marina Romilly Association into uh, spinal injuries and, well, helps uh, research into spinal injuries and also uh, they, they help athletes who've had to cut their careers short, as Marina herself did, um, with either spinal injury or a brain injury. Also the Masaka Cycling Club in southern Uganda, they're the other beneficiary of uh, of the money from the, the sales of those beautiful objects. Thanks very much to Alistair Lloyd-Jones uh, and to his team Hope, Eva and Stephanie uh, for helping us on the social media, the marketing, the promotion side. You know, we've we've tried to make a bit of a splash with our social media this, this Giro and I uh, hope you've uh, noticed that and appreciated it. It's been, well, it's helped us, I think, to just uh, tell the world that we're here covering it in the way that we have been. Um, thanks very much to our fantastic team of producers, John Mooney, Tom Wally, Adam Bowie, Will Jones and Hugh Owen. We really couldn't do it without them. They're so, uh, 
a lot of those guys have been with us for a long time. Hugh is new and he's doing a great job. So thank you very much. In fact, Hugh is on tonight for our final Giro podcast. Thanks to all of them. Thanks very much to David Luxton who helps with so much behind the scenes. Um, and thanks to Lionel Burney who's also been a huge help. His voice might have been largely missing from the podcast at Giro, but he's been doing an awful lot to help us and support us uh, behind the scenes. So thank you, Lionel. Thanks obviously to Daniel Freib who was here for the majority of the Giro and his contributions were fantastic. I mean, where would our Giro coverage be without Daniel? Another couple of thank yous, James Knox, our audio diarist. Third Grand Tour he's done for us as an audio diarist. And I think this has been the toughest one for him. Um, you know, he's had, last year at the Giro, the team were fighting to keep uh, Joao Almeida in the pink jersey in his first Vuelta. He was fighting to finish in the top 10. This has been a tougher challenge, but James has been as committed as ever to his diary and has sent us in something, usually something um, very interesting and insightful every single night. And I know lots of you out there really enjoy hearing his insights. So thank you very much again, James, for your commitment to the audio diary. And of course, a huge thank you to Amara Terra, uh, whose music is the soundtrack to our Giro and our maze in Italy. We've had uh, Amara Terra's music from the very start of our daily coverage of the Giro back in 2016. And we, we just couldn't imagine doing the Giro without Amaratera. So very big thanks indeed to them. And a reminder that if you want to know more about Maratera, we released an episode just before Christmas uh, in conversation with the band. And it's uh, an interesting listen if you want to know more about this band. But thank you once again, Amaratera. I wouldn't mind a glass of wine, Richard. How about you? Definitely. One final, and it's kind of relevant to, to that point. Brian, because I want to thank Italian hospitality. I mean, we've stayed in some fantastic places um, and, and in great parts of the country, but one of the, the, the constant themes is the warmth of our Italian hosts wherever we've gone. I'm in a big, you know, chain hotel tonight in, in Milan, and it's, it's a little bit depressing um, <laughs> because it's such a contrast to the places where we have stayed, which have been independent hotels, B&Bs. Daniel researches all these places, they're absolutely beautiful. They're not generally that expensive. Italy's a, a pretty cheap place to visit and, and travel around. And it's just been amazing. And the, the warmth of the Italian, uh, our Italian hosts, wherever we've been. There was just one place where the, the owner was a little bit odd, but I'll not, not mention that. Uh, but apart from that, it's been amazing. And it blows me away every year. And I think it has done more than ever this year because, as we've spoken about a lot, there has been a sense of, you know, We've all been deprived of being able to travel and most people unfortunately still are. But I think there's a feeling that it's maybe going to be coming back slowly and we and certainly hope so. And you can tell that the Italians are happy to have us here again. Really feel like we've been invited and, and taken in with open arms. Absolutely. Well, listen, we'll uh, sign off from Milan. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you, Richard. And thank you to all of you, the listeners. That's my final thank you. Thank you very much for listening every night and for... Uh, giving us your feedback. It's been very much appreciated. Finally, finally, of course, thanks to our sponsors. Super Sapiens came in just before the Giro and have been fantastic to work with so far. And uh, we're going to continue that relationship and develop it over the coming weeks and months. So you'll be hearing more about Super Sapiens. And thanks very much, of course, to our longest standing supporters, Science Sport. We're very, very grateful to them for their very involved support. So thank you to them and thank you to all of you. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.